0: and marina ralph column and marina dakin
1: i've heard i think the people you're referring to is a couple that live in costa rica they yeah. i i don't i think uh jennifer and or amanda have a connection to them okay. but uh I'll, I'll i'll we have a call on wednesday i'll i'll bring it up thank you for, for that yeah, great yeah great
0: thank you It is 5 o'clock on the button and the recording is on. We have 16 passengers. The ship is taking off. Somebody just barely made it in. I'd like to take a few minutes just to get some news. This is the new year. The virus is still massively expanding. People are, the gritting people, the people who have grit are kind of burrowing down into either where they are or they're tunneling out into new places. So I'd like to hear which ones you are and how it's going. Ingrid, you, you would be the first one to tell us.
2: I'm uh, in a space of... of f- uh, really of feeling much clearer my low level feelings and um i noticed that through through that um I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a alone for others and um this gives me a it's it's it, it's um Um, so, so I'm more in, in a sort of conflict with people and, uh, and people, uh, s- uh give me uh, feedback, like, uh, you are, um, yeah. What is in English, uh, on a car, when you, when you want to hold a car, what do you, you, brake, uh, brake break, break. break? Yes, you are, a, you are a break. <laughs> and um, right. So I'm a break.
0: Car needs a break.
2: A car needs a break, exactly. <laughs> and um uh it's uh it's unusual for me, it's uh inhabitual and uh I'm exploring being a break.
0: Thank you. Somebody else can jump in here. You know, are you tunneling or burrowing? What's the what's the direction of your intention these days? <laughs> Let me ask a more difficult question. In the book, we're entering the territory of extraordinary human relationship. And the distinctions that we're exploring are do not tend to come from the environment where most of us have been born and raised. And so the, the language of it, even though we're gonna be talking about soft skills today, I can see that in the book already, that that the particular soft skills that have value in creating and navigating extraordinary human relationship are not this, they're, they're, they're really related, the same ones, as deciding if you're gonna have Coca-Cola or Pepsi-Cola, or if you're gonna go see, you know, Spider-Man or Iron Man, or if you're going to put on the red shirt or the yellow shirt, you know, these, it's the same kind of a, of a power that we have, but uh, that power that we have has so far here up until now been for the most part unconscious. And the part of making an enter extraordinary relationship depends on making these power these powerful skills that we have making them conscious and so i'm i'm asking that we start thinking along those lines even between times because if 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 you you know if the team here if we cannot come up with questions that relate to our the struggles that we're having, to the possibilities that we miss, to the to the um, kind of blankness of a white a white uh, canvas, an empty canvas, the blankness of that, and facing into that in each moment, instead of filling it up with fantasy worlds or emotional projections and Baggage that we carry in from other spaces. So if we don't, if we don't start asking the questions, we won't develop the skills here. So we have so many skills creating low drama and conflict and complaining and blaming and resenting and projecting and having positionality and all these things. We're so good at this that the the domains of the extraordinary relationship are, are, seem rare or they seem almost imaginary. But I'm, but I'm saying they're not. I'm saying they're not imaginary. I'm saying they're just as available and even more, um, cl- even closer to the nature of the universe than all the low drama kind of stuff that we've come up with. And so, so, but that what that requires is that we develop the tools or the skills to ask questions about it, and to investigate, and to experiment, and to distinguish, and to make the moves, make energetic um, gestures that depend on the new distinctions. And so, I'm going. This is an experimental space, so we get to we get to jump in that way. We get to jump in together into this unknown qualities of spaces, but it's, it really takes something. These are bigger risks here, you know, telling, you know, sharing about having some kind of conflict with your mother is, takes a certain level of risk in a public space, but that's not the kind of question that makes full use of the distinctions that are available here. So there's whole new sets of opportunities available so i'm asking us to upgrade our uh our necessity upgrade our necessity for what we need to learn about what to what we need to try during the week you know you might be you might be somebody who gets up in the morning and and goes to work and there's these people at work who are you know sort of friends and sort of zombies and and you come home and you hope to that you made enough money for, for the rent and then you have two days to recuperate so that by Monday morning you can go back to work again. And so you try to figure out how to handle your chores and recuperate on the weekend and like that. <clears throat> and that, that's, that may be most of our background. It could be, could be the, the life that we came out of. And what I'm saying is there, the, you guys are edge workers, You're the, there's a kind of <clears throat> pressure, there's a kind of opportunity of pressure of like, okay, what are you gonna create? Like you, basically you have all 10 fingers and all arms and legs and most of the cylinders in your brain are firing, you know, you've got all the marbles and all the cards in the deck. You have not been kept in a mental institution. They might have diagnosed you as somebody who should take drugs or should be in a mental institution, but somehow you've escaped that enough at least to have a Monday night meeting with us here. So that's, it's surprising how many people, you know, we've been, we've been talking about taking back your authority. And one of the things you can do is you can take back your authority to refuse to accept diagnosis. You can take back your authority to just say, I'm not interested in your diagnosis. You know, I'm going to diagnose you. You know, turn the cards around. I mean, take back your authority for that. And so what I'm saying is, is that it, it, we've got this space, we're good, you know, we've worked hard to get to this space and we've got to this space and now it's kind of like, oh my God, what do we do here? It's, it's kind of like finding a diamond. And what do you do with the diamond? Well. A diamond is clear. You look at it, there's kind of nothing to see. It doesn't have any flaws. It's a space. What do you do with that? You know, we're so accustomed to working with flaws and problems and conflicts and breakdowns. That's what we're accustomed to. Friction, you know, we're accustomed to that. And so here's going to be these spaces where there isn't any of that going on. Who are you then? And that's what, I, that's what I'm asking us to figure out is who are you when there is no conflict? <clears throat> who are you when when you don't have to respond to a demand that in fact you get to invent the next scene and there's no precedent? You get to invent the next scene and there's no precedent. Who are you then? And then these are the kinds of places we're going to be going. This is the places where... It's up to you to ask the question. So if you can ask a question from yourself, then it's kind of like pounding in a piton into the rock face. You can can get an anchor point in there and clip your rope onto there. And you can remember the question that you asked. You know, I can do blah, blah for two hours and goes in and out. What's it going to do for you? I can read the book. And still, if you don't ask the questions, you won't have this thing to grip on. So I'm, I'm really going to ask for more questions, even when we're, when we're in a territory that seems like it doesn't have enough oxygen to breathe. You know, and this is only the extraordinary part. We're headed for the, for the archetypal part pretty soon. So, yeah. So any questions about that before, before, or comments, any comments about that or sharing about that before we start reading? This was Clinton is
3: Leslie. This
0: was a text question. Who, who's speaking? Where are you,
3: Leslie? I'm. Um. I'm not. My picture is not on. I'm. I'm feeling really unwell, and I wanted to just say that that's why I don't have my camera on and probably won't be participating at the level that you're calling for, which I appreciate. And
0: uh... your story is accepted.
3: Um, I can't. So
0: okay, there's been a, a break. I couldn't hear the last thing that you said, Leslie, but it's fine. Thank you for saying that. Anybody else? Something else?
4: Hi, Clinton. Michelle.
0: Hello, Michelle.
4: Hello. I I appreciate what you said and what you're asking. And I have something to share. I had my daughters here for two weeks and looking at extraordinary relationship, looking for extraordinary relationship with them. And I got called on a pattern that I had. I repeat it again, kind of a rescue pattern. And I realize that it's easy for me to then ask for an emotional healing process around the pattern because if I cannot have an extraordinary relationship with my own daughters, then what is the point of all of the other bigger questions that I'm asking myself regarding what am I here to serve and who am I here to serve with the many people that I now do serve? and wanted to expand the tribe. And I did ask for that. Um, And what happened, and this is my question is, in that emotional healing process, I did not only, so that I guess this is archetypal, it wasn't only me rescuing my younger daughter because of this pattern of rejection that she had from her dad, my ex, but also I felt the rejection of all children all the time. Um, My question is, in that collective weight and sadness that can come up in these liquid states, hmm, it's not a question. It is the heaviness that came out of that emotional healing process in which in liquid state I realized I was carrying the heaviness of rejection and abandonment of so many, I made the new decision that everyone has their own path. And to, I'm shaking because it just happened two days ago. And I wonder how we're going to do that.
0: I have a proposal and you hinted at it, but I just want to make it pretty clear: it does not it does not appear to me that our children are our friends. And to try to force your children to be your friends is a disservice in terms of respecting who your children are, and also. Uh, It almost forces us to put a a level of fantasy world into a relationship that shouldn't have to carry that or be burdened by having a fantasy world like my my children should be my friends. So the the I think that the the family tie is not an accurate assessment of who your team is or your community is in a way or your your learning field in a way I mean yeah I there's there's plenty of stuff to learn from having the children I think and but to try to force them to be your friends I think is a really big mistake and to assume that they're going to be I should be able to be on like really friendly terms with my kids they have other stuff going on they have their own field to build and move into and you're not necessarily in it you know from time to time, I hear of somebody where the parents and the children are in the same field. and it's it's amazing. And to try to imagine that that's true for in general, I don't think that's a I don't think that's a useful metaphor to carry around or a plan to have. I don't think that. So if you drop that, you know, and you you they're your children, so when they when they get to be eighteen years old, you do your mother graduation party and then see what happens you know in five ten years or whatever they might be doing something similar enough in the world that you can collaborate in ways but to try to put some Kurt Vonnegut calls it a grand falloon it's a, a false familiarity belief system onto your children it's just another thing they have to fight against to live in the world so I don't know if that's helpful
4: Yes, it is, and, and yes, uh, I, what I wanted to share about the liquid state also, Clinton, is that in the archetypal, it felt like there's a lot of sadness that came up for me in that liquid state. The narrative around my children just having been a bridge into something bigger. And my question is in that I want to call it archetypal sadness, if that even exists. The collective sadness. In that bridge, how can we as a team now work towards, because I can feel it, and not only in me, but in so many. In that collective sadness and that collective anger is what you're saying is bridging it into action. Bridging it into where are we? Where are we in service for? How can we create spaces of um, being with? And that's what I wanted to share about that liquid state. Um, It was very, very big, very big, much bigger than what I went in for is what I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of questions there.
0: Thank you. All right, I'm, I'm on page 121, and we're at the soft skills cannot be taught section. Last, last week we began a section 6D about the soft skills of extraordinary human relationship. And it was a, an introduction to that. I just wanna read the last paragraph of what we talked about last time. It goes like this. The sobering news is that the difference between ordinary human relationship and extraordinary human relationship has almost nothing to do with your ability to deal with inanimate objects. So we were talking before about all our our hard skills, the, the solid object skills. So all this stuff, the shift the, the shifting of ordinary to extraordinary human relationship has really nothing to do with your ability to wield a screwdriver or drive your car or um, make chocolate souffle or any of those things. It has really nothing. I'm not sure about the chocolate souffle, but mostly, most of the things doesn't have anything to do with that. So it's not a hard skill. And it has everything to do with your ability to navigate interactions between subtle and fickle human beings. So subtle means uh, the energetic stuff and the archetypal stuff. And the fickle means that human beings have, we have so many identities and so many parts. I don't know if you guys have taken a look at the parts website, but it's part.mystrikingly.com. And it is so full of experiments to do That are pretty shocking if you start doing them. So the point is, you will need to learn new soft skills. The next section says soft skills cannot be taught. The actions that shift you from ordinary human relationship into extraordinary human relationship are soft skills acquiring new soft skills requires a more complex holistic learning than hard skills. Part of that means that the feedback that you need, the feedback and coaching that you need to refine your skills is not not so simple like burning an egg, for example. If you get it all dry and burned, you go, this tastes bad. And that's straightforward feedback. But the kind of feedback that you get from the soft skills requires subtle attention, requires you developing new kinds of attentions. Learning soft skills is not restricted to the intellect or the physical body. Soft skills are learned in all five bodies, including the heart and the energetic body and your archetypal body. Five body learning encompasses a much broader range of experiences than we might be accustomed to experiencing during our usual intellectual or physical learning situations. So we're, we're, we're adding two, two or three more dimensions to the sophistication of our attention and of our ability to notice and learn. We're adding dimensions. And if you don't have those dimensions, it isn't, you're not gonna fly. It's not gonna work. As shown in the map of learning soft skills, which we'll talk about in a minute, the development of soft skill competence comes as a result of engaging four subtle but powerful learning forces. So there's learning forces at work in this process engaging these learning forces is volitional. In other words, you have the power to choose whether or not you will engage these learning forces. So your present set of soft skills are so deeply ingrained in your behavior that you stay in unconscious incompetence. That's the first stage of these four stages where almost nothing changes until such time as you start making conscious efforts. However, making conscious efforts rubs against your ordinary nature. Gaining consciousness and making efforts can both feel highly uncomfortable. For example, the first step in learning soft skills is moving from your original ignorance is bliss condition in unconscious incompetence, which is quadrant, the first quadrant of the map, to conscious incompetence, which is quadrant two. This shift is like being awakened from a fabulous dream with a bucket of cold water in your face. This is what that shift is like. It's like a kick in the ass. And then seeing that while you were sleeping, your house burned down. That sort of feels like to move from unconscious incompetence to consciousness about your incompetence. It's bad news. So the cold water in the process of learning soft skills comes from the form of feedback, either verbal feedback from somebody we are forced to respect or someone who cares enough about us to speak in an obstinacy or physical feedback like how much money is in our bank account or the level of our blood cholesterol or our car's tire rolling ahead of us on the highway this is physical feedback so the world is generous with its feedback subtle and obvious signs are constantly mirroring back to us the consequences of what we are creating but until the cold water wakes us up, we are fast asleep and not able to consciously perceive the feedback. So you get the picture? There's tons of feedback going on, tons. Very clear and, and really not nice feedback, like meaning a shocking, shocking levels of feedback coming. But if we're zoned out, if we're zombied out and and we're blocked or numb to the feedback, it's not going to make any difference. So there's these that's why you have to go around and around on this learning spiral, because at each level you come around again, you get a whole new and a whole new perception of the same feedback that you've been getting for 18 years that you finally understand now at a whole different level. It took that long to get sensitive enough to go, oh, my God, I've been doing this. So what I'm reading in the book again, what makes us able to hear feedback is the growth of a bigger and more sophisticated matrix in our being. It's these distinctions that weave into our being. We get more sensible from these distinctions that... um, this, the, this matrix in our being is able to support your expanded consciousness. So with the expanded matrix to catch and integrate new feedback, you leave this part of the map, the first area, the unconscious incompetence, and you enter conscious incompetence, you become aware of your incompetence. And the thing that allows you to do that is these doing exercises, doing experiments, building matrix, practicing over and over again, practicing, setting up experimental environments. This is what your possibility team is for. How many people here get to meet uh, in a possibility team every week, probably online? How many people is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven not enough sorry to tell you this is not enough so the the reason i say that is right now right now it's almost like all of last year almost and it seems like it's going to be most of this year we're in this extraordinary time where you can get away with things you know you could do almost anything and say, God, it was the virus. It's this amazing uh, ace in the hole. It's like this special card when you're playing poker, you know, you get these, what, these free cards, you know, that, that you can use for anything and we've got one and you can, you can do anything with it, you know? And so I don't, yeah, the Joker, thank you. The Joker cards, those, those things, those free cards, those, those, you got to use them. And, and so you can use that to not go to work, to work overtime, to change jobs, to uh, basically cha- completely change your behavior. I, like I know a guy who, who just started doing paragliding because he because of the virus. It was like, I don't know. He was saying, you know, when you go up into these higher atmospheres, the virus doesn't go up there, so you get this virus-free place, and it builds up your immune system to be up in the air for a couple hours, gliding around on these paragliders. So I'm, I'm telling you, you can use this ace up your sleeve for anything. These joker cards. So you you can use them to create a possibility team. You can just say, "Hey, I'm creating a possibility team." You know why? You know because of the virus. You know, and people will, will go, "Ah, oh, okay." Really, that's all they're going to say is, oh, okay, can I come? It'll be like that. So, so really, uh, please, because you need this uh, ongoing experimental space where you regularly meet with people who are just as intelligent as you are, or even more so, and who will ask you dangerous questions and give you dangerous feedback while you're trying to learn new soft skills. And the thing with the new soft skills is you need to practice them, even, even more than the piano or, or um, standing, you know, doing yoga. You know, yoga, God, don't get me started about yoga. Okay. So, so okay, so, so please, please, please get yourself into a possibility team. There's the possibility team website, possibility team handbook. There's a possibility team chocolate brownie recipe there's the possibility team song. I mean, there's so much possibility team support material around that you have no excuse. Plus you have your, your virus joker card to do it. So all you have to do is just tell people you're going to have a possibility team and then start doing possibility team stuff. And one of them is you get feedback and coaching. So how many people who did not have your hand up before would be willing to start your own possibility team before next week. Jonathan, I see Jonathan's hand up. Zika, was that your hand up? or? And Chloe, what? To, Doris, did you put your hand up or are you just freaking out? So, okay, she just laughed, unbelievable. It's not supposed to be that serious. Doris, you can come back. All right. OK. All right. All right. Please tell, please tell us, the, you guys who put your hand up, tell us how it goes. All right. Next week, tell us, as the check-in part, tell us, hey, I started the team. We had two people. And they gave me the worst feedback in the world. And I was I was sick for two days. But it wasn't the virus. But I used it as an excuse that it might be the virus. So I didn't have to go to work. Things like that. OK. Thank you. All right. The two qualities of feedback that make it useful for learning are clarity and possibility. It also helps if it's true, that, that also helps. So, cause you could have feedback with really a huge amount of clarity and a huge amount of possibility, but it might not be you know, accurate or true. So try to make it accurate also clarity comes from distinctions that show exactly where how and why your present level of competence is lacking and that cause and what that causes for you so that's what the clarity does it gives you an accurate assessment of your current reality your current stuff possibility comes from new perspectives, that spotlight previously unseen behavior options. So I was, um, I was writing with a, a guy who's part of a deep green revolution group. And he, he, it turns out he was, he was writing to me from mountains, this kind of snow-covered mountains, in Nevada at Thatcher Peak, I where, where these uh, these people wanting to dig up lithium, they think they can find lithium in these beautiful mountains blow them up and you know mine, make a big open pit mines and blow things up. And it's called, yeah, protect Thacker Pass. this guy's out there and and He's fighting the corporations and the people who are on like, like a gold mining rush, who are trying to stake claims. It's a thing you can do. You can, you can say, I claim this area to have mineral rights to mine out lithium in a certain area. And of course, you would like to do that where there is some lithium so that you actually get your investment, your money back for trying to dig in the ground. So he's out there with, I think, six people, something like that. Trying to block large corporations from from doing this, so he's fighting against this system. So the the feedback, the possibility that he has is his only possibility is to try to fight the system. I don't know, live on the land, sabotage their their tractors. I I don't know what he's he's trying to fight to fight those guys. So there's there are many options that we don't have to create new results in certain circumstances where we only think that we have to fight. So like I, I haven't put much thought into it but I was thinking well what if the guy what if the guy creates an, uh, a, an initiation center for young people on this land that they need to and so and so and he puts it out into the world and thousands of young people come and setting up camp and he has organized initiatory processes on this pro, on this land that has far more value than trying to mine some minerals out of the ground then all of a sudden he built a new game world that makes the old game world irrelevant and so this is what i'm saying about new possibilities so in terms of feedback you can have feedback that gives you clarity about what's going on, but also possibility about what else is, what else is next. That's, a, that's like coaching, what else is next. So you need both of those. So when you're working with your possibility team, you're practicing your, your skills, go for both. You need both clarity. You know, if you, don't, if you tell just people what's wrong with them, you know, after a while, it's not very fun to have a meeting like that. But this is not a complaining team. This is not a blame the other person team. This is called a possibility team. So really come with options for each other that you don't see ordinarily, Linear, non-linear options and unreasonable options that you can offer to each other because it's much easier to solve someone else's problem than your own. And when you come together in your team and you're practicing, offer each other those kinds of options, is new ones people didn't see before. So both the clarity and the possibility are already there it's just that we you know I cannot see them before I acquire enough matrix or I get some cool people in my possibility team and they help me build the matrix to get it part of the matrix is people tell me the same thing over and over again I had a men's group back in Arizona where it was the three men and they they were giving me this feedback for four months that I did not understand. And every time we came to a meeting, they looked at me and go, Clinton, you're, you're still doing it. And they would tell me exactly what I'm doing. And they would tell me how I'm doing it, And they would give me examples of how I'm doing I just went right by. Four meetings, we came together. On the sixth, I finally got it. It took 16 weeks for me to build enough matrix before I could have something in me to hear the distinctions they were making and my life just completely reordered after that. So this is the thing, it's about you need the clarity and the possibility and if you don't have the matrix yet to hold it, your team can help you build it. And that's what is really valuable about the possibility team. I'm still reading here. Recognizing deficiencies can be reason enough for us to react with embarrassment or shame or guilt or hopelessness. You know, if somebody tells us that we've been missing something, that's a deficiency. And when we start to recognize our own deficiency, I'm sure you've had this experience that you start reacting with being embarrassed or being ashamed or guilty, hopelessness, Self-reproach. This is especially popular in Germany. Or, or um like rage, just outrage, you know, try to kill them if they before they kill you, basically. That's what your box <clears throat> and your Gremlin can do is try to attack the messenger. You know, if you can kill them before they kill you, you don't have to listen to the message. So, so this is common, a common trigger. It's a common behavior. you receive feedback. The pain of seeing that there is a soft skill that you don't know about is only made bearable by contrasting it to the pain of seeing how much difficulty you cause without the new soft skill. I'm just going to say that again. The pain of seeing that there is a soft skill you don't know about that pain is only made bearable by holding it next to the pain of seeing how much difficulty you cause without the new soft skill like what you what kind of pain you've been creating so so you put those two together they kind of cancel each other out so it's so you realize god i've been doing this i've been hurting people i've been ignoring people i've been i've been dropping the ball i've been I've been messing things up, I've been really making mistakes and then and then you go okay, this can balance out the pain of me learning something new. you know I have to practice, I have to get feedback and coaching, I have to try again. there's pain in that so they can balance each other out. This is an important uh, skill. When the clarity when the clarity and possibility from the feedback, Cause you too much pain, you're finally motivated enough to try to do something different. I think this is the human condition. It's like we don't do anything different until it hurts too much to keep doing it the same way, the same old way. If we don't have enough pain to change, we won't change. We'll just keep doing it the same old way. At first, however, all we understand is that we are incompetent. You know, somebody gives you feedback, the only thing you understand is that we're stupid. I'm, I'm incompetent. You don't know how to behave competently. Even though you don't know how to change, you still want to change. So you keep trying, but your trying is imperfect. So with each, you keep failing. You get that feeling? Every time you try to do better thing again, you fail again. This is very painful stuff for a human being. We're a little naked monkeys. So it's really, it's really try to do new stuff. It's so great to like, I, I get to see like <clears throat> Christina and Martin over here. There's this, couple, this this couple with a white wall behind them. And they're from Switzerland. And I know these guys. And it's so great to know them because I uh, we were there and Chloe and I were there not so long ago at, the, at their eco village. And we got to kind of live in their kitchen and living room for some hours with them. And I know that these guys are giving each other feedback and coaching ongoingly, these two guys. And look at them, they still love each other. They love each other even more. And even though, you know, the person who can give you the most terrible feedback and coaching is somebody you live with, you know, somebody who's close enough with you to live with you. They can, whoa, they know everything, even the stuff you're trying to hide, you know, when they're in the bathroom and you're in the, you're in the closet doing something else, you know, and then they come out and go, Oh yeah, nothing happened. Or I didn't do anything, you know, all the sneaking and all the the little tricky stuff, you know, they know. So, so so that's the it's such a wonderful thing to be in a, a collaborative relationship with both of you are in the learning the learning spiral we're talking about the learning spiral about how to learn new stuff and when both of you are in the learning spiral then it doesn't matter because you you're both trying to learn new stuff ongoingly both of like even me and Aunt Chloe, yesterday, we went for a walk down to, down to the, this ocean part and we sat there and we're both crying because we're both trying to learn about stuff that we don't know about. And it was, she did not have to feel bad about not knowing about it because I also didn't know about it. And so we were both, we were both in the same liquid state, the same kind of like embarrassment So it's so great to have somebody that you're not putting a show on for because you cannot because they live with you. The show doesn't work. So it's so great. So that's why, you know, 42 weeks ago or whenever it was, I said, please get yourself somebody to do these experiments with. It's because you're going to be on the same learning team together. That's what that was about. It's about not having to have... One person who already knows and the other person who doesn't, or one person who's learning and one person who's already perfect. No, somebody is. You know, it doesn't work like that. You get to both be broken together. You can both. You can be broken together, and in this broken state, there's so much aliveness. There's so many. There's so much um, unexpected sparkles of insight and and sharing even if it's sharing about pain of not being able to do the thing that you were trying to learn together so i'm still encouraging you to try to grab some people you know grab a partner grab somebody and just say look i i need i'm gonna marry you for about three months so that we can um we can practice these experiments together and after that you know forget it after that it's over so we're not signing any papers nothing like that no rings no nothing like that but we're going to be married for three months, and and then I'll get the next. I'll get the next one, and you can too. So like that, really. It's such a it's such a. You need this kind of possibility team, and like an ongoing partnership, experiment platform to learn these. To go through the pain of learning new soft skills. All right. So even though we don't know how to change, even though you don't know how to change. You still want to change, and so you keep trying, but your trying is imperfect. So with each new try, you also keep failing. Enduring this discomfort, enduring this discomfort of repeated failures as you keep trying to behave in new ways or more effective ways, it's actually two things occupying the same space at the same time. Okay, it's painful. Two things occupying the same space at the same time. Holding both experiences within you creates an uncomfortable inner conflict. This builds matrix. Willing yourself to contain this conflict rather than giving up in the face of repeated failings and just going back to your other habits. That builds an energetic learning force by remaining convincingly cheery, cheerful, while repeatedly trying and repeatedly failing. You give this learning force a useful direction that slowly develops incompetence into competence. It transforms incompetence into competence. And eventually, you enter a new domain called conscious competence, which means you can be competent to some degree in the new behavior, but you must make maximum efforts. You must stay awake. You must try. You must. As soon as you forget, you slip back. So this is the kind of practice where you're consciously competent. You're able to do it, but it really takes your effort and focus to do it. That's this third quadrant. Practicing your new competence over a long period of time, it builds a new learning force. The new force is momentum. And I don't think I put it in here, we learned it later. But what happens is you shift identity. Instead of becoming being the person who is practicing completion loops or practicing. Listening, or practicing being with, or practicing offering possibility instead of criticism—you know, whatever you're practicing—instead of being the person who's practicing that, you become that, and it slips out of your attention into who you are. You shift identity. This is the fourth stage, the fourth, fourth part of the learning your box, you know, your psychological defense strategy becomes accustomed to experiencing your new shape. The new behavior gives you new shape. The new way of being is a new shape. And, and your psychological defense strategy gets used to it. It's, it becomes accustomed to it. And therefore, the new patterns of behavior become your new ordinary. This new response to external conditions becomes more normal, more familiar, and more automatic than the old response. Until your fo- your box, your psychology fails to identify the new behavior as new anymore. It's not new anymore. It, it even just kind of it's your way. This is the way. It becomes like that. I have spoken. They have sim. They have simply these ways, these new ways have simply become the box's natural way of behaving. Your conscious competence drifts into unconscious competence, and you 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 have you have surrendered to the force of learning, like you've surrendered to the evolutionary force. And that's this. it's a cool thing to surrender to the force of evolution what you may not realize is that unconscious competence is a learning force of its own so unconscious competence is where you are right now in many domains you are already unconsciously competent in in many domains this is your lifetime of development work has brought you to unconscious competence in the areas where you're where you're competent. That's what it's brought you now. That's where your center is. You can live like this. It feels normal. Unconscious competence continues to build matrix at that new level. So It's not a it's not easy to arrange to build matrix, but you have built you've arranged your life wherever you are right now you have arranged your life to sustain your level of unconscious competence and your practices now where you put your attention where you don't put your attention how many hairs you leave in the sink how often you change the roll of toilet paper, how, how often you take out the garbage, like, like what do you do with your clothes when you, when you take them off? Who, who plans the shopping list? Like all the practices that you've brought into your life right now are functioning at the level that, we're, that has given you this unconscious competence and it is still building matrix for you at that level which is more than it was a year ago and far more than it was five years ago or 10 years ago. Do you know that? You can feel that in your life. You look back five years or 10 years and who you are as a, as a, as a being is you're like five or 10 years ago, you would not even have talked to the person that you are today. They would be, you wouldn't maybe even have seen them the one that you are now. You couldn't even have seen them. They wouldn't have, you would have given them no attention because they're just in a different dimension. <clears throat> well, that's building, comp, there's building matrix for you now in a consistent day-to-day basis at that level. Well, that matrix keeps building up. So the evolution builds more evolution. So you're, you're in this evolutionary, like tumbling, like this evolutionary force, you're in it. So even though you may start feeling bored or unchallenged at the stage where you are right now, if you responsibly continue, then matrix is still being built. It's still being built, even though it's easy for you right now. It's not such a consideration that you make your bed in the morning, or it's not such a consideration that you pay bills before they're due. You know, you just do it because but you know five years ago maybe you did not and so but that's but that you make your bed it continues to build matrix all these little things add up often when you least expect it the floor suddenly drops out from under your feet where you thought you had everything under control you suddenly find yourself in internal or external chaos bigger than ever. Your peak performance of unconscious competence spirals up to the next level of unconscious incompetence, ready for the next adventure in learning. Okay, Like in possibility management, when you reach unconscious competence, when you actually are able to to be this new thing, We clap for you for 15 seconds, and then we kick you in the butt to the next level as fast as we can. There are people you know probably who have achieved something. And I tell this story about uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Cartman, who I met in San Francisco in 2007. He's the inventor of the Cartman Drama Triangle. So he he had this enlightenment, moment where he designed a new thought map in 1965 called the drama triangle which we use in possibility management and have incorporated in many other maps and processes but when i met him he was he was like his name is the carpman triangle like he has put his whole identity into having at one moment had this new map come to him and then the rest of his life he has spent identified with the guy who invented the one map he's stuck at this level of unconscious competence and he he doesn't want to go around the spiral again. And he's in a game world, the, the um, transactional analysis game world, he's in a game world that, that does not kick him in the butt to bump him to the next level. Possibility management is not like that. We are not going to leave you in a glowing radiance for 10, 15 or 20 years of having one time, you know, made a distinction in some space or something or drawn a new map, forget it. You know, we're going to suck that map off of you, throw it onto the websites and go, Okay, what's next? What about this? So you're going to have just so you know, I wanted to let you know that it's it's a we don't want you to get too bored or uncomfortable like that. So you're ready for the next adventure in learning. To watch this cycle of learning occur over and over gives you new respect for a force of evolution full of elegance, beauty, and grace that is at work in the world, in your life. And and another thing it shows you is, um, is the way other people block from that, the way other people avoid that. And I'm sure that you know people in your life who who have figured out ways to, God, to um avoid being on this on this evolutionary learning adventure. I mean, it's I was I was talking to this guy a couple of days ago, and he was he's asking me, Clinton, God, I'm I'm trying to write this article. I'm trying to write an article like for business people. I want to write some kind of article. And I showed my rough draft to somebody and they, they gave me some feedback and I don't know what I should do. And I'm like, we're trying to have lunch with them and I'm, I'm kind of chewing on my potatoes going, you're talking to this guy who writes 600 page books and 400 websites and, and you're asking him for coaching about writing one article. So there's this, there's this he, he's not a young guy. He's, uh, I don't know, 45, 47, I don't know. He, he could have been writing articles for a long time. Anyway, all I'm trying to say is there are people around you who have figured out how to block and cut off and, and, and distract themselves from this evolutionary flow because they get into a job and the job, you know, every day you have lots of stuff to do. You're making your money. You come home, you relax, and there's no time for evolution. You know, the whole, the whole thing is, is not there. So Clinton, saying, Clinton, yes.
5: can I ask a question?
0: Yes. Just a minute. Okay. I saw your hand. Hold on a second. So, so the point is when you are with those people who are blocking evolution, don't, you don't, it doesn't really help them. In my experience, it has not helped to try to undermine their blocks unless they pay you, like, it just doesn't work. It's like, you can create an an opportunity, an image, you can create this doorway or space for them to go through, but it doesn't help to try to confront their blocks until the point where they're ready to, when they come to you, you know, or they come or they do something else, but they don't have to come to you. But I'm, I'm just saying, you, the people all around you, including you know your parents, your neighbors, your kids, your brothers and sisters, your uh, the people that work, even your clients or whatever. That there are people around you who are not enthusiastic about going through the death and resurrection show. They're not as enthusiastic as you are. So it does not help. It doesn't. It turns out not to help them. It's like like. So, so there's a yeah it's just simply about kind of respecting the forces that are bigger than you that. just because somebody's around you doesn't and you see what their block is doesn't mean it's going to be helpful for them for you to pull the rug out from underneath them their their defensive strategy, so that was just kind of a side thing. Yes, Amba.
5: I have a question concerning soft skills, and I like to ask for possibilities. And the, a few days ago, I, I was in a, on, a, on a call, and it, 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 somehow it turned out to become a box conversation. And I couldn't grasp it at the moment. And after half an hour, I got so tired that I had to end the conversation. And I didn't know why in this moment I even have to go, I had to go to bed for, for an hour and my body was shivering. And all of a sudden I was like, gosh, how could I, I mean, why did I not, why did I not do anything? I mean, I, I didn't stop it and I didn't change it. I, I, I was just in a, so then, then, I, then I was thinking, should, should I say that? and actually i did and i i propose to start over and my question is um so sometimes i i i see things sometimes i i i don't i don't see i don't have the clarity in the moment sometimes it's maybe it's coming 10 minutes too late or maybe it's coming a day later or and my question is, is I mean, do, do I do I name it? Because when I name it in a way, I in a way it's a dilemma. Because I don't want to blame somebody, or I don't want to show point a finger on something, but I don't want to keep it back. So, I'm asking for a possibility here.
0: I have a proposal. Yes. The proposal is go back to the same person and say, if you can do that to me again, I give you 10 euros. If you can do that thing to me again, I'll give you 10 euros. So try to get them to do it to you again. There was something, you missed the thing, whatever the thing was they did, that triggered you or put you into this sleep mode or made you, you know, that pulled the rug out, whatever they did, it's not visible to you right now. So try, just say, please do it again. And then you'll be on a different level of attention. You'll be watching and you'll, and if they do it again, say, I have, I want an appointment with you tomorrow. I want you to do it. I'm gonna, if you can do it to me tomorrow again, I give you another 10 euros. You just keep doing that until you pick up the little thing, the trigger, the, the, the thing that caused it In you, and then you have a a doorway for uh, an inner and like a healing process for yourself. You have a a way. Right now, I don't think you have the clarity about what it was. Yeah, it's not about. It doesn't help to uh, explain your victim state or your collapse state. It doesn't really. You don't have to say it. What What you want to find is the trigger. Is the in the actual catalyst for it, what caused it. And that's a very precise thing. It could be some words they use, or it could be uh, uh, an an insinuation they made in a question. It could have been sexual energy that was coming through the field. It could have been a superiority game they were playing. I don't know, but you can go back, say let's have this conversation again, try to do that to me again, and I'll give you 10 euros. It's a cheap therapy session. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just think think about it. Door, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. If I
6: navigate somewhere else, <clears throat> tell me and stop me. I have a lot of anger about I wanna know when is when is the time to fight? Because you're talking and I get the distinction about you can't fight the patriarchy. The patriarchy is ready for you to fight it. You can't really fight it. I really get it, I'm there. And people boxes, it's like, you can't really fight people boxes. It's like you said, trying to give feedback to someone who doesn't want to get feedback, doesn't want to change, it doesn't have this thing. So you can't do that, but still there is this situation where I'm getting prosecuted, I'm getting witch hunted and I'm like, closing countries you know if you look at the history of the world like you know nazis knocking on your door like are you not when is the time to fight to take a stand i mean we're watching these movies like vendetta you know when when are we do make a stand and fight because i know i'm always going to try to find a different option not to get hooked not to 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 do all these things but you know at a certain point i feel that Yes, that's all. Thank
0: you. I think every I think we have a lot of possible answers there, but it might not be obvious right now. But, and Chloe and I, but I'll just say I, I'm fighting now, and I'm I'm fighting because I'm I'm paying money to an organization in Africa that kills people who kill elephants. These are ex-special forces people that are in a team down in Africa killing the poachers. I give them money, so I'm fighting right now. I'm giving money to this deep green, deep green revolution, deep green something, deep green, and I'm also giving money to, you know, I'm supporting, I'm paying for the the um, extinction rebellion guys, and I'm in conversation with different people trying to tool up their warriors. We're, we're in conversation in Poland and in England with the Extinction Rebellion people tooling up their warriors to take stuff out. So, you know, there's different ways to fight. So, you know, getting a gun and going to blow people away, I can't say I had never thought about that before, but I'm, I'm not like Bruce Willis, you know, you know, they would take me out in like less than a minute and then it'd be game over. So I have to, Um, I have to fight in different ways. So figure out how to fight intelligently and effectively, really. And and let your anger give you the clarity of how to fight. There's so many options for fighting right now. And we need, we are fighting, help fight. But it isn't about, you know, arguing with a police officer. It isn't going to be, you know, it's not going to help. It's not going to, it just gets yourself beat the shit out of you. So does that help, Thor? Get get yourself a team together. Bring it to your possibility team. Say, I want to fight better. I want to fight more effectively. I want to take stuff down. I want to transform stuff. I want to move things. I want to invent new stuff. Give me, give me possibilities. There's tons of ways. Yes, thank you.
6: All right, thank you. Thank you, Clinton. That helps. Great.
0: I'm not 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 speaking because I don't think of what to say. I'm just making a little space so that some stuff can bubble up from the swamps. Hello, Lauren. I want you to know I love you. So I'm glad you're there. Go ahead, Amber. Scott, something with Amber, were you going to say something?
5: No, no, I I think I got a really good proposal already.
0: Okay. Scott, were you going to say something?
7: It's really loud where I am, so I don't know. It's too loud for me to speak. Great. Is it is it like too much noise right now or can you hear me? Okay, really I'll just say so.
0: You could maybe put your hand around the microphone and see like that. All right, don't forget. Kay, are you going to say something? And Chloe, are you going to say something?
7: I don't, sorry. Go <laughs> ahead, just Scott. I stepped outside, it's, it's, it's easy. Sorry, sorry, Aunt Chloe, I didn't know you. I can't see everybody. Um, like, I don't know what to say about this, but it's just been on the edge of my awareness. I've been in this, my own introspection and, and feeling into violence and like, how is violence used by humans? And like all the ways that that war is, is started just so easily in, in, in simple way every if it's just the or it seems like the ordinary condition of humans and I feel so scared to see just all the all the powder kegs that are just laying around and waiting to be lit and you know and i i feel i feel sometimes like 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 this huge this huge energy in me that that my ancestors may have used like to fight wars or to fight against colonizers or to, to colonize or to like, to, to kill to my, my ancestors, their, their villages were, were destroyed at one point and then they became colonizers and went to destroy new villages. And, and there's all these really ugly ways that violence is used. And then, and then now like, I don't know I I my whole life has been I've always been like peace like there can be no war no war that's been my and now now it's like god I just don't know anymore I just like I don't it's it's like it's like I'm the the world is is evolving to this edge and, and now I, when I hear you talk about your like your support of the, the poachers or the, the ones who would kill the poachers, it's like one part of me is like no and another part of me is like yes. Like one part of me is like fucking finally somebody's like stopping the poachers. And I, I think I just need to say that it's just, it's, I, f- I feel really scared to let my anger out and, and so of, of who I could become, of, of what I could do if I really go there. And so, yeah.
0: yeah Scott, there's this, there's this combination, and thank you for sharing this. There's this combination of the wild man with nonlinear possibility that is the future this is what creates a future a different future and you and if you don't have that aggressive violence and use it to practice in different ways and to make new negotiations for projects for what's possible it won't you won't even you'll be so occupied with suppressing your quote-unquote aggression, that you'll just end up 40 years from now in some grave and go, God, what happened to my life? Or, did, or I just suffocated myself to death, trying to be civilized or trying to be Buddhist, whatever. I mean, there's a, I mentioned it before, uh, this, this Sand Talk book by Tyson Yunkaporta. And he has a whole section right towards the end about aggression and about the insanity of thinking that life is not aggressive and violent because, you know, I just had this amazing salad with Aunt Chloe today. And I was killing the babies from walnut trees because we had walnuts in there. And those are the babies from the walnut trees. I was eating them and I was killing live, you know, lettuce leaves. I mean, it, and, and what they have to do to cows to squeeze out the milk to make cheese is, is not nice. You know, industrial cheese making. I don't know where the cheese came from, but I had cheese in the salad. So this whole thing, you know, I might pay somebody else to do certain aggressive things for me, but I'm still being aggressive. So, so but I, we need that I mean, that's, God, we need that. We need that force. You're trying to use so much of that force up to suppress that force. That has the possibility of inventing new possibilities. You are using up so much of that force to suppress the force to invent new possibilities. And so don't do that. Like, yes, you know, there's this line, there's a line of what you can get away with. We have this third rule in possibility management. You know, the first rule is don't hurt yourself, the second rule is don't hurt anybody else, and the third rule is don't get arrested. know because if you're arrested you're you're basically you know a punching bag for aggressive policemen you know it's like why do you want to do that so so there but there's this line you know i've been arrested before i've been arrested a couple times that's a different story but i've been arrested and i didn't hurt anybody i was just trying to do evolution conscious evolution of consciousness and i was arrested so but you (laughs) it's a non-contact sport. You can still get arrested. You can get arrested for putting out memes these days. I'm a memetic engineer, and you put out the wrong meme, you can get arrested. Well, I'll talk to people about that. but but so in, there's this line where you don't know if you're if you're being alive enough until you're over the line. You have you get this. like you're basically numb and dead and controlled and suppressed, and you're like this suffocating, thing self-suffocating until until you get to the over the line. You have to go over the line to find the line. So if you get arrested a couple of times, all right, all right. You break the possibility management third rule and we we cheer for you, you know. But so but but how close have you gotten? You know, and, and it has to do really with the nonlinear possibility of it. Use the aggressive force to break your own rules, to break the limits to destroy the conceptions of reality and the constructs of modern culture and destroy those and, 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 sh- and build out the other side. Like that's what that aggression is for. And if you don't trample to shreds really to, into the mud, if you don't trample the existing constructs and, and have fun doing it, who's gonna follow you? You know, people obey the constructs and there's no way out. But if you trample the constructs and have a great time, people are going to go, what's that guy doing? You know, what's, let's go find out what's happening over there. So that's, that's how this works. You know, there needs to be a first dancer. And then the, the second and third dancers make the first dancer not look like he's just an insane bunny. So, so that's, that's how we can help each other. If somebody does something totally insane, go do it with them. And pretty soon people go, oh, that looks great. And then there you have a whole crowd doing it. You know, most of the people in the world are zombies. Really, I don't think I've been trying to argue with that fact for my whole life. You know, I thought the whole, I thought we could have an enlightened culture. You know, I thought we could have an enlightened spiritual school or enlightened community. And I get, you know, I go to these places with the cutting edges of the evolution of consciousness on planet Earth, and there's a bunch of sleeping zombies. And there's four five or six You know amazing people and the rest of the people are zombies it's going to be like that so okay so don't stand under the zombies you know go out meet some edge workers create new stuff have a great time and and but don't like don't use your precious aggressive energy to suffocate yourself i'm going to tell i'm going to tell gandhi if you do that you know look what he did right he used his aggressive energy to go fucking march across the entire country and get salt, you know, stuff like that, or weave cloth, you know, but he, he fucking trampled, he totally trampled the constructs that were trying to be imposed on them. Just And there's plenty of constructs people are trying to impose on us. So it's our job to do this. And it's this is called high level fun trampling constructs and having a great time with using your aggression for non-linear possibilities, this is high level
7: fun. Thank, Thank you. you.
1: Uh, like Amber, to share.
0: You? Uh, who's that, Jeff, go ahead. Jeff and then Amber.
1: Yeah, so I, I had a really powerful experience this morning which ties back to what Scott was just sharing and you know this concept of non-violence but so like I'm here in this community and we're up on a mountain and I go down to the beach every morning and then there are these dogs that are really aggressive they're like they're just every time you get close to them they just like want to bite your head off and usually they're on the beach side and sometimes they're on the roadside and so I was walking back up these dogs like just came at me. Right. And I didn't know what to do. So I, I stepped back as far as I could to not get attacked by them. But then I'm like, okay, I got to get back upstairs. I have no way around this There literally is no other possible. There's no other option. And so I take them step back. There's, a, there's some guys on motorcycles like here, just take this stick and just swing it, you know, and, and get by, get through these little dogs. And I was like, I, I can't do this. Like I, I, but then I thought I had no other choice. Like I don't know what to do. And so I just had to sit with the real the reality that like sometimes violence has to be met with violence. And and it was so painful. Like i still am feeling it all throughout my body, The fact that I just walked through this place and had to swing this stick and hit these dogs. Like because there was no other choice.
0: I want to tell you a secret for next time. Tell me whenever you're ready.
1: Well, I just, it's just like sitting with this idea that, you know, you just got to do what you got to do and then you got to sit with the consequences of what you did. You know?
0: Yes, and, I want to tell you a secret. Yeah, so when you're There's a thing with dogs that if you bend down and pick up a rock, they will run the hell away from you. You just have to bend down and pick up this rock and it, you don't even even have to have a rock in your hand. You just bend down and pick up this rock and you point at them just like you're gonna throw this and it looks aggressive, it feels aggressive. And they just split. And even especially if you go like this, you know they're out of there. Have you ever tried that?
1: Well, I had, I had a bag that I had in my hand and I was swinging it at them no. and it was not working.
0: No. And dogs have learned this. The dogs have learned this from, I, it's, I think it's in their genes. I don't know. But anybody can protect themselves from a dog by just bend down, pick up one of these rocks and just like make like you're gonna throw it and they're just out of there. Cause they, they know what happens if they stick around. They, they have the experience already. So try that next time. You need to. Thank you. Yeah, then let us know how it goes. Okay, Jeff. And and the thing that you talked about, the thing that you know, that you you actually hit the dogs with these sticks. You know, there's stupid little. You know, they think they're protecting their territory or their mom or something. I don't know. Their owner. And, they, and so and the owner's not around. You know the other the other solution is called dog soup, but that's only kind of popular in China. But the the um the rock thing really works. Thank you. Did somebody else have their hand up now?
8: Yeah, I wanted to say something. And I mean, a lot of things from what Dor said and from what Scott also shared. And the first thing was, I, we watched with Clinton Spider-Man. We watched the two Spider-Man like one night after the next. and. And at the end, I was so angry because he, he's a superhero. He kills the bad guy. And then and then that's it. He saved the world. I'm like, this is so unrealistic. Like, it's so nothing to do with reality or with what we're really facing with, like the complexity of the world and, and what's happening. And... And in this and about this fighting that Dory you were mentioning, I mean, there's another part for me is yes to not go and confront people like sleeping zombies whenever you feel like. I mean, part I think that part of it that's kind of gremlin or fanatical to just go and confront everybody. But and at, and at the same time, it's like I will not have a box conversation and that's my aggressiveness in a way it's like I will just not allow my time and dignity and and effort and attention to like have crap opinionated like conversation and and there's a part of a a fight like that that is like fighting for me like that is part of a an aggressiveness and and the and the and the other thing from Scott I think I've, I've shared that sometimes with a few people is that in a year and a half ago, I was in Bali and I was reading a lot from Derek Jensen and, and really getting (laughs) to this, the darkness of our time and like experiencing, okay, (laughs) all the work that I'm doing probably will have no consequences on what's really going to happen. And so I was kind of, I was faced with this choice of, okay, we need to go blow out pipelines and take and like you know i'm going to say that on a recording but like kill like heads of a corporation and take down governments and 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 whatever and that requires like a, like a real revolution of bombs and arms and and that kind of violence and i was like oh, we need to do that and then and then i thought well what if we do that there's no guarantee that the next thing that will emerge out of the death of this patriarchy would not be another patriarchy. There's no assurance of that. And so, okay, it's then there's some people the job is to build what's next. And I had this choice of, okay, where do I want to go? And, it, and then it was so obvious to me that the universe put me on this path of next culture and building next culture and upgrading software and and so it I kind of like renewed my like okay I, this is why I'm here because I had a choice and and having this choice of do I want to do this or do I want to do something else and 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 but yesterday with all this conversation with Mark Wilbert and like the people from deep green resistance and stuff I thought god actually there could be an evolution evolutionary activism like an a real activism that would sit on places that would, um, you know, really go to the, the the lines of where the corporation are taking on the land and the Amazon and um, the pipelines and whatever. But instead of fighting, then it would be like what Clinton mentioned of the, they would have possibility team there. They would upgrade where, where they would be fighting for, they would be fighting for the land and fighting, fighting for the culture, instead of fighting against the stupid corporation. So anyway, that's my next article, but I wanted to share it here.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Amber, were you going to say something? Okay. Okay, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I just, um, I have the feeling that what you just did to Jeff was what you got, told him he was doing to Devin a few months ago. It's like he was having like these feelings of sadness and um, like, A lot of time when men have that, we stamp it out, you know, and get, Mm -hmm. let's get over this. Let's, let me give you some advice to fix this.
0: Um, Yeah, thank you. Anything about that, Jeff?
1: I am sitting with how much fear I had to bring that up and that I didn't. And I'm grateful that Kay said that. Yeah,
3: thank you. I got busted for that about 20 years ago in front of 50 people and it felt terrible shutting men down when they express their feelings and that we say that we want that, especially women, and then the minute they do it, we shut them down.
0: I don't think that's a tradition in this space, you know, the tradition in this space is Thank you for having the feelings. If it's an emotion or is it a feeling? And if it's an emotion, it's a gateway to an emotional healing process. And usually this particular space, we're not spending the time in this space in the study group doing emotional healing processes for each other. So we have a an agreement to do that with each other. And you know, in small groups. And Anybody at any time who wants to can say, could I I want an emotional healing process. Can I have two two people do that with me tomorrow or tonight or whatever? That's more the tradition of what we have going on here. Yeah, the term shutting down is a heavy weapon. You know, shut them down is a heavy weapon to use. It's not the first time it's been used in this space. And it's not what's going on here. Does anybody want to ask for an emotional healing process about anything from anybody? about any of this stuff.
6: Yes, I would like to ask for emotional healing process around what I shared, if anyone can raise their hands and navigate and hold space for that.
0: I see Phyllis's and Michelle. I don't see. And Christina. <clears throat> and, and Jeff. Jeff, was that for Door? or is that something else?
1: Yep. No, that's for Door.
0: OK. DOR, you get at least four. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else for anything else? <clears throat> you know this. I was talking with Aunt Chloe today about this. It's like, like understanding something. I guess we we're talking about the trainer path in the in, this, in the Rage Club Spaceholder training program that she's running, and it it has to do with get, you know understanding a thing, a concept, or how it's supposed to go, or something like that isn't going to change anything. What's going to change something is facing the blocks, facing the resistances, facing the fears, you know, facing into the issue, the old decisions and going through the emotional healing processes of the subtle status level, low level forces that are powerfully shaping our lives. And until we go through those processes and make this stuff conscious, So we have a choice about it. Nothing changes. And this is a, I know it's called a study group, but it's actually a transformation group. So we're we're interested in stuff changing or evolving. So please use the space abundantly for the emotional healing process because we're an amazing team here. This is an amazing team for helping each other do this.
9: So I'd like to share something about that and what you said now, Clinton. Um, I made that experience right now a uh, week ago how it feels if everything explodes in me and that sadness and everything came out and after that everything was different and from that point to see to see where my energy was in and get it back from all points and so today, everything what you told here resonates in me. I've done that. Put my energy in, in into rescuing, trying to rescue my family, my people, my... But I was not asked. And, and now I feel like it's like something newborn, something so sensible and so... And I like that exercise so much, what you did, um, Chloe, that being exercise to go to the edge. And and I'm, I'm the whole time feeling like I'm going through, I'm going through uh, and seeing all that breaking down behind me and... It's incredible to describe that, how that feels, my feeling, let it expand, and, and just to be there in the nowhere, and yeah, this is where I am right now.
0: Thank you.
4: Clinton, um, I want to say that I, I'm feeling, I'm shaking. My heart is racing, and I've, I'm, i enraged. I'm, and I'm sad, and I'm. In the emotional healing process that I had recently, I became enraged, and the rage came from the amount of people that come to this earth un, unwanted. And the rage was how so many people (sighs) pretend to love their children when they really didn't want them in the first place. So it's so inauthentic. And this came up in such a big way. And I know that I'm sharing this because this rage also, I want to... Kill my inner child somehow to become an adult and then bring forth like a, a childlike quality that is not this needy child. And, and I want this for all for, for so many because there's so much pain from having been unwanted. It's such a collective thing that came to me that day in that process. And it was, the rage was so real and so big. And it was a long time of of this huge rage. And it's like, come on guys, take a look. What the fuck is going on? Take a look, how can anyone feel loved if so many of us were not wanted so many of and I'm angry because I'm angry because there is this rage in women too. There is this rage in women too in me too. And I am enraged and I want to kill whatever is not allowing me to move more make more happen. <laughs> yes. And, and and I'm enjoying it too somehow, which is so weird. The knowing. The rage.
0: Michelle, I think you're I, th- I know you're sharing something and you're not asking anything And thank I, I'm you. Asked, yes And w- I just I just want to offer that when we first when I was first exploring all this stuff I did not think I thought you'd do an emotional healing process and then things are better or changed or evolved And more what I've discovered is that these things have layers three four, five, six or seven layers deep that, that the same sort of issue being not wanted in this case has these levels and I've had my own experience of, of that processing for I went through five levels of, of a thing and it so, so I would just let everybody know that these sorts of things have levels and that even if you're at the third level down that doesn't it hasn't sh- you know shifted the thing so don't hesitate to do the same thing again and go to the next level. That's what I'm saying. Thank you.
5: I'd like to share something. Thank you. Okay, uh, Michelle, I'd like to share something with you. Um, an experience, which you reminded me now the second time of it. So a few years ago, I, I did an intense emotional anger work and it lasted 11 hours. We were a group of people and we just went crazy. And, and I mean, it, it was so it, 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 I mean, we all have lost our voices and still there was anger coming out and still there was voice coming out. Although I had not voice anymore for hours. And at the end of this 11 hours, I remember I stood up and I was so angry at the universe. And I was just, you know, I was just shouting the hell of this fucking universe to made it, I mean, it, 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 was, for, it was totally mad. So, you know, when, when I hear you telling these things about unwanted, to be unwanted, I remember somehow this totally archetypal anger, which is which is so big that it's there is no words anymore for that. And still, it's um, it's very close to joy again, and it's very close to the sadness. And it's it, it seems like it's almost it's not personal anymore. And it's a huge force. And I sometimes I, I don't even know if my anger is really directed to, you know, if my anger is, sometimes it feels like it's much bigger than I'm angry about somebody. Mm-hmm. It it feels like my anger is about being in a body, being being, you know, it's like so I just wanted to share this with you.
4: Thank you. Thank you for helping with that. All right. Thank you. I felt felt. Thank you, Emma.
5: Thank you, Michelle.
0: I'm reading the next paragraph. It's, it's almost like what we were just talking about. It says, after a few times around the learning cycle, you may conclude that you are merely going in circles. Here you are back again, being, becoming conscious of your incompetence in the same thing that you were becoming conscious of your incompetence before. While it may feel the same each time, it can be useful to notice that you're actually moving along a spiral. And the one who has the feeling has changed. The ones who are having the feeling right now, that one has changed. Not everything is still the same. Yet overall, you may well imagine it being better to stay In denial about your inabilities because recognizing your incompetence mercilessly annihilates your present self-image. Learning may be hindered through consciously or unconsciously deciding that all in all it's better not to know. Why should you choose the pain of disambiguation over the bliss of your ignorance? such a decision is a personal preference and therefore inarguable the inarguability inhibits learning soft skills because you can choose you know you can choose to not learn it's a personal choice and that will inhibit you from learning soft skills you make a private decision as to what extent you are willing to experience the pain of increased awareness. The subjectivity of this decision creates a soft skills learning paradox. Soft skills cannot be taught, they can only be learned. That's the paradox. You can learn anything you want, but they cannot be taught. You cannot force anybody to learn a new soft skill. Learning soft skills is a personal choice and is accomplished only through diligent personal efforts. Personal efforts means repeated practice in a safe environment where mistakes do not cost too much. In such an environment, you can begin your soft skill learning journey into the extraordinary. And I want to do this. Let's see, can you see this, let me see. This is the map in the book. It's just the map of learning soft skills. So it starts over here in unconscious incompetence. And then this force of learning comes, listening to feedback that has clarity and possibility And then that pushes you into becoming conscious of your incompetence. At which time, another force starts called enduring the discomfort of failure while you keep trying. This is practice. So you're practicing, practicing, and you finally get to this third stage, which is conscious. You're conscious of starting to learn to be competent. And then another force comes in while you're practicing consciously, which is, it's the shift of identity. Practicing consistently over a long period of time causes a shift of identity. And that moves you into the fourth quadrant, which is becoming unconscious of your competence. And that's the, that's the seemingly success. That's like a success point and you can get stuck there. So when you, but the thing is, your success has built a matrix generating machinery inside of yourself that continues to build matrix to to expand consciousness. And that will sooner or later, especially if you have a possibility team or a study group or a, a spark experiment group or something that will push you right away into your next level of unconscious incompetence that can be goes around the spiral it just comes so it's a three-dimensional thing it's moving out of the screen so I wanted you to have that visual on the map also great In a way, yeah, thank you. It's true alchemy, this map. It's what I was gonna say also is, this new results come from new actions. And so we, we focus on the, on the results. We want results, we want results, but we're not willing to put ourselves into the alchemical transformation process that creates the new results. And the alchemical transformation process is the new actions the actions that we could not conceive of before or that other people could not conceive of before. And so that's, these are, this is the alchemy part. Uh, There seems to be a, a mood in this space here. And the mood is one to me, it seems like a mood of feels like there's creatures around, like sort of like energy-sucking vampire creatures around. And that uh, somehow they got let into this space. And then the energy-sucking vampire creatures review, they, they perceive us as a, an amazing buffet of the most delectable, tasty, sweet beings on the planet in in some ways. And they would much rather eat us than other people who are not involved in the evolution of consciousness work. And so anytime we open the door and let these vampire entities into our space, they just like stick right in and just start sucking juice out. So it feels like there's a, a few of those around in this space right now. And they're not invited, and uh, I I can make sure they're not taking life energy out of me. But it's going to be up to you that you make sure they don't take life energy out of you. So they often work. They get a they get through a through voices. There's certain voices or certain like um, an attitude, like a. Something's unfair or something's not right or something's not just and then there's it makes this crack and through that crack these things come and they just jack right into your energetic body and start sucking at your energy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about. Okay does anybody have one of those on you right now. And if you're are you willing to send it away. You don't have to some people like that stuff if you if you don't get you know we only have a few minutes to talk about this but spark 135 is available with complete instructions on how to end how to shut the door on on your cafe so that the buffet is closed and that you don't have to you know they can they will not starve to death they can go eat something somewhere else but but if you leave the buffet open, it's like a free door open 24 hours a day. They come in and just feast on you until they can't eat anymore. And then they fall off and go to sleep. And all of a sudden you feel better some days later or something like that. And it's like uh, people go through this kind of up and down cycle. They're feeling great and things are going cool. And then they then they put a crack and open the door and this things come in, suck their energy on. And it doesn't, it takes a few minutes and they shift out of this presence into this vacuous, sort of depressed, uh, listless, low energy, devoured state, being devoured. Like you have to, like I I saw, uh, yesterday I saw a spider catch and eat a fly, a big fly. So it was a big spider eating a big fly. It's a lot like that. The thing comes up, sticks the thing in and just sucks and the fly doesn't have a chance till, until the spider's full and then the spider leaves the fly. So, so I encourage you to anybody who uh, wants to, to sh- does anybody have any comments about this right now? Anybody else feel that happening in the space? Yes, I would like to share something about it. Great,
10: Andy.
0: It's about that, and I had that already once in a in a space with possibility management. Um, you sharing about poachers and paying money um, that they get killed. It it yeah it it sticks with me and it's, there's there's a lot of fear coming and sadness that that something tells me that this is not a space where I want to be part of and also that it's not safe for me here thank you do you know which me is speaking? No, I can't. Okay, go ahead.
10: Um, Clinton, when you asked the vampire in Hannes. Will you hold on just one second?
0: Uh, Kay had her hand up and I already asked her to speak, but could you talk after her? Okay. Yeah, thank you. Go ahead, Kay.
3: Yeah, I i, I feel like there's a weight from what I said and I regret saying the second thing I said. Um, and um, the the story i'm telling myself is about getting spanked for um pointing out something
0: it might help if okay. you speak more clearly you know just did not use something or that or it if you just use actual words for
3: those okay yeah words. um when you said you know that I had said shut down, that that was a really strong thing to say. Um, Weaponized. Yeah, um, I probably shouldn't have said that. And um, um I don't know what else I want to
0: say right now um you know you know we're going to say whatever we say okay and so this shouldn't have said it probably isn't going to help anybody you know and it's I've said so much shit it caused so much bad consequences however you want to say it I mean I was in a training once back in the early 90s, and I was so pissed off at this guy. I couldn't have word. I spit in his face. Okay, I'm not happy to say that, and I, well, I am happy to say that a, my assistant trainer within an hour was screaming at me and spit in my face, so I got a rapid karmic payback. So I, in my world, I happen to get rapid karmic paybacks. So it was kind of healed. It was handled Um But all I'm saying is like, it doesn't really help to to say I shouldn't have said it. You can say what you learned by saying it or what it created, what you noticed that it created by saying it, but scolding yourself for saying it, isn't probably not gonna help much.
3: Okay, and I I feel afraid of saying things like that because of, backlash and doing the emotional labor of pointing something out that doesn't want to be heard um, and getting spanked. So I wish I had left, I wish I had left well enough alone. Just said the thing that would have been a lot cleaner. Thank you.
0: You're welcome, Jeff. Are you gonna say something?
1: I don't. <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 I kind of echo Kay's um, share in that I just don't feel welcome to share today after that whole. Um, thing and I, I I do feel that those those entities that are here and that are maybe taking over the space um, and I'm, I'm I'm kind of okay with them right now
0: All right thank you. Jeff, do you need anything else about whatever for about the thing before about the feeling sad about beating the dogs?
1: You know, it's my, my, my gremlin wants to say that the moment has passed. um, And that I'll, I'll deal with it here with the people in my space, and I don't want to occupy more time with it um, here. But uh, I'm grateful that you went back to it and that it it was revisited.
0: Thank you. Hannes, I am going to go on a call with some people in Poland in about one minute. Is there, I'm sorry to make it short, but can you say what you need to say? I'd like to hear it.
10: Yeah, uh, it's difficult to uh, say it first in English, then second under the pressure of time, but I try to say it. Um, The statements from you about the uh, supporting of the killing the poachers um, is violating a rule. Um, A rule of, um, yeah, keeping the other safe. I can explain it, if you like. But I'm not sure whether it's. Um, I can do it in this one minute, but I can try, because um, when telling the story, everything, uh, for uh, at least for me, I, I um, get the imagination that um, this crosses a line. And uh, there's one thing about crossing a line that is irreversible, that is killing. And um, the imagination of everybody uh, can can come up in everybody that as soon as someone uh, pays others for killing somebody, it could be also against me in any case, no matter what it is about. And so this makes everyone i think feeling very uncomfortable because it violates the second rule of not hurting anybody and maybe that's that's the situation where you or this statement um, invited the vampires to start sucking energy out of everybody who got this imaginations. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think you described it perfectly. Anybody who's ever used a piece of ivory has paid a poacher to kill an elephant I think you described it perfectly. And elephants don't have much chance to shoot back. I love elephants. More than poachers. So I've loved
10: elephants my whole life. I don't know what it is. So what you're just saying is that you're willing to kill for love. Say what? Um, I'm I not didn't... sure whether this is... <laughs> okay, I, it's, it's very hard to follow this, this logic. Yes?
0: I didn't understand what you said.
10: So w- just what you said is that you're willing to pay others to kill and if you support this, uh, you, you're paying for others to be killed for love. You're loving elephants. You're paying others to kill their poachers. So you're,
4: I mean, you love to person, elephants is a
10: reason to kill poachers. It, the, really the question, Hannes, is what are you doing? I'm just trying to get the logic Behind you,
0: what are you doing about? What are you doing about this? What are you
10: doing against the poachers? First, I do not uh, buy anything with irony. Second, I would support. How does that stop the poaching? Second, I would support and even pay for people who try to arrest them, but not to kill them. And third, I would support everyone for um, putting up laws against poaching and selling what what,
0: what this is fantasy world. You're just talking in a fantasy world right now. You're saying I would, I would, I would. What are you doing was my question. So I'm sorry I'm going to end the call in that's I'm okay. Sorry.
10: I, I, I told you, you what I do. Upset. I I I am what? part of a South African supporters group who actually also do some things of like that.
0: What's the name of the group?
10: Uh, what's maybe you can send it to us. Uh, it's a, it's a, a group, group that, that you're part of. Yes, I can send it to you. Yes.
0: Great, because other people might want to help.
10: Yes, great. Yes, appreciate and. That. Mm-hmm.
0: yes, and see you next week. Yes. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.